Well, hey everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here, and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to hear real life stories about how God works all things together for good, because he is always faithful and always good. Well, hey, before we get this party started, I have some exciting news for you. If you're ready to get your book in front of an entirely new and fast-growing market, an audiobook would be perfect for you. Having an audiobook gives you the opportunity to get your book in front of more people while giving the listener a new way to hear your story in an intimate way. An estimated 131 million people listen to an audiobook in 2021. And do you know that the people that listen to audiobooks don't read print books? They only listen to audiobooks. So it's a whole new market for you to take advantage of. Leverage the opportunity of getting your book in front of millions of people by having an audiobook today. We can help you create one. Visit redemptionpressaudio.com for our introductory special. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am so excited for you to meet new Redemption Press author Heather Murdoch and her new book, Rise and Rejoice. This woman has the most incredible Romans 828 story. You are going to love this. So before I roll that tape, let me give her a proper introduction. Heather Murdoch is a speaker and author with a passion to encourage and equip believers to live empowered by the Holy Spirit to overcome obstacles and live out their purpose. Her podcast, Living Free with Heather Murdoch, is a great resource for people seeking healing, freedom, and transformation. She draws from numerous life experiences, including her years as a Celebrate Recovery ministry leader, but mostly from the Word of God. Heather travels in her role as Vice President of Human Resources for a global manufacturing tech company, developing leaders and company culture, but her greatest joy is her family. They live in Placerville, California, where they serve in their local church. She and her husband are co-founders of Rise and Rejoice Ministries, which focuses on kingdom discipleship, leadership, and worship. So let's roll that conversation. Well, Heather Murdoch, it is a delight to have you on the All Things Podcast today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Athena. I've really been looking forward to this. Yes. So before we jump into uh, talking about your new book, we are going to ask you to just share your favorite Romans 828 story in your life, which is amazing. And I just want to give you the digital stage and ask you to share how God took some really hard things and brought so much good out of them. Oh yeah. Thank you. I, I love sharing this story because it really does um, 
portray or demonstrate the power of God in a broken life. And really, this is a story that is in my Bible study. Actually, I share that to help the women understand what God's done in my life in hopes that it will inspire and encourage them that he will do it in their life as well. And um, so uh, I was born um, back in 1971, so I'm 51 years old, and I became a believer about 13 years ago. So I lived a lot of life without Jesus, and I, looking back on it, frankly, don't know how I got <laughs> through those years without him, but not very well, right? And um, and uh, started, my parents were hippies, and uh, so I grew up in a very unconventional way. Um, I grew up living in a teepee and a school bus, and uh, we lived, at one point, lived in the back of a, of a camper and um, never really had running water, uh, electricity, wow. or indoor plumbing, yeah, um, my, my whole life until I moved out um, of the house. And so even though that may sound to some like a grand adventure, and in some ways it was, you know, of course, it, it made me who I am today, right? But it was really hard. It was really hard. It would be a grand adventure for a weekend, <laughs> you know, right. but, but for a lifestyle and a way of life, it was really, really hard. And uh, my mom always made um, any place we live, my mom made it a home. My mom always took great pride in, in making it, making it a home. So I must give her that credit for that for sure. But there were a lot of hard things we dealt with. We were very poor and, um, you know, we lived off the grid remotely. And so, um, you know, we were known as that family, although there were a lot of other families similar to ours, but we were known at school. I was known to be that kid and I was yeah. targeted quite a bit and bullied. Mm. Um, and so, and, you know, we had, we had challenges at home. My father was, um, you know, struggled with addiction and uh, anger, and there was a lot of domestic violence, and um, a lot of all of us walking on eggshells to try mm -hmm. to keep my dad uh, from being triggered. Um, my, it was my sister and I, she was four and a half years younger. Her name was Willow Song, and uh, my middle name is Ocean because, you know, I was born into an ocean of love. <laughs> oh, <laughs> In keeping with the hippie uh, theme, you know, um, and I say that affectionately, but anyway, um, so, you know, it was just, it was just tough. And I don't remember, I mean, I know I had happy times, of course, but I had a lot of really um, hard times growing up where I felt unloved, unworthy, um, ashamed. There was a lot of shame at the core of who I was. So I grew up um, really, you know, we all kind of take on a role in our family. And my role was the fixer, the pleaser, the one who tried to give my, you know, my perception of my family, like I said, it carried a lot of shame. And so I tried to constantly make up for that. And so I learned how to perform at an early age. I learned how to essentially how to perform for love which mm. meant that I tried to become whoever people needed me to become to get their approval, to get their acceptance, to, you know, um, to bottom line, to get their love. And so I, I was really lost. I really had no sense of who I was. Um, and that carried, you know, that started at a young age, that wearing the mask, you know, mm. I think many of us can relate to wearing that mask. And, um, and so that carried on through, uh, through school and then into high school, um, I kind of blossomed, you know, I was kind of known as the ugly duckling previous to that, but I got into high school, I blossomed, I started getting attention from boys. Um, I started fitting in. It was like what I always wanted. And, and weirdly, for some reason, I got in my mind as a young child that if only I were pretty, then people would love me. If only I were pretty, then I could be accepted. If only I were pretty, then all my problems would be solved. So, which is such a lie. But when I got into high school, then that happened. And so I was so desperate to hold on to it, to that perfectionism had already set in. And so I... Um, I, you know, I kind of just did whatever I needed to do to fit in. And then I ended up um, 
stumbling into, not intentionally, but stumbling into developing, developing an eating disorder. Um, something a friend suggested, you know, that she'd been losing weight um, by throwing up. Well, I wasn't overweight. I was, I was actually thin, but because I had that perfectionism and I wanted to cling, I, I was desperate not to lose the looks that I felt I had that got me acceptance. And so I wanted to be perfect. Right. And so anyway, I, I started um, practicing bulimia and when, that was at 18 years old. And what started as a, an experiment became a 20 plus year addiction, you know, oh, and, wow. and eating disorders really are considered mental disorders. You know, you know, people say, you know, just eat a sandwich if you have anorexia or just stop throwing up. You know, it's like if you could, you would. It's not something that's reasonable. It's actually a mental disorder and it's very hard to break that stronghold. Um, anyway, and so then I moved off to New York um, and L.A. to be I wanted to be a famous actress. And, um, you know, looking back on that, it seems so silly. Really, what it was is I wanted I, again, I wanted that affirmation. I, I ran off to to the big city to find myself there, you know, right. to find myself in those twinkling lights and to be validated. Right. And um, and so I was on the run. I partied. I, you know, just kind of moving through the story here. I I dated men much older than myself, um, you know, kind of had some father issues and yep. not that, not that if any woman is married or dating someone older, they have father issues, but I, but I did, I definitely had father issues and looking for myself and the approval of the father. Right. And, um, anyway, and so when I lived in New York, uh, as I mentioned, my sister was four and a half years younger than me. And when I was in New York with my boyfriend, um, I lived there for about a year and because by that time my parents had gone through divorce, um, I, I was kind of on the run for my family because I, I wanted to get away from my past. And so when yeah. they got divorced, instead of contacting my family and trying to help my mom through that, um, I, I just ran harder. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want mm. to step back into the, to the family dynamics. And so I had not talked to my family in about a year. And, um, and then one weekend I was in still living in New York, but was in Las Vegas, in Las Vegas for a girl's weekend and uh, came in into the hotel room in the afternoon. And there was a message light flashing um, on the phone and checked the message. My friend Sheila checked the message and it was, it was my ex-boyfriend contacting me. And I'm like, what does he want from me? Why is he calling me? We broke up, you know, why, the nerve of him calling me. She's like, no, I think you need to call him. It sounds like it's something urgent. So I called in and uh, he, my mom had contacted him that my sister had been killed by a drunk driver. Mm. So here I was already feeling guilty because I had not been contacting my family and they really barely knew how to even reach me. And now my sister mm. was killed. Mm. And I just remember the bottom that felt like the floor just swallowed me up. I felt like I just, I, in fact, I think I did kind of sink to, to my knees um, in shock, you know what I'm saying? And, um, just overwhelming. Anyone who's lost someone can understand the grief and the finality of that, the finality, you know what I'm saying? It just, it's, it's, it's the finality of it. It like punches you in the gut, you know? Yeah. And, um, anyway, and, uh, my sister had been, um, it was December 18th, 1994. And she had been, uh, with her boyfriend and her two best friends. They had gone to the Nutcracker ballet. Um, and, uh, like I said, a week, a week before Christmas, and um, there was a gentleman who had been at his own employer's Christmas party, and he had been um, 
he had been driving home and he had gone to this his employer's party and the employer had told the employees that they would take car keys because they didn't want their employees to drink and drive. They were going to be serving a lot of alcohol and, you know, they would take keys so that people could not drink and drive. But at some point in the night, he went up to his, his employer and said, Hey, I want to go home. And he said, well, have you been drinking? But the employer was drinking, you know, he was drinking. And so he didn't have good judgment. And so he gave the keys. The guy said, I'm fine. Gave the keys. Witnesses said that he couldn't even walk a straight line when he left the house, got in his car, and 30 minutes later proceeded to kill himself, my sister, and her best friend. So three people died that night. Mm-hmm. Um, so needless to say, that was life-changing. I came home. Um you know, back to the small town I grew up in, grew up in a very, very small town. And so here I am driving back down that old broken down dirt road, the one I left with stars in my eyes, you know, to go be a famous Hollywood movie star. And here I am now, just a few years later, driving back down that road to face, to face it all. Mm. And, um, and, you know, I had had a very strained relationship with my father. Um, we had never to that point, uh, had not reconciled in any way. So anyway, just a lot of, lot of hardships. And I just spent many years because I didn't know the Lord, you know, in my home growing up, it was pretty much forbidden that we knew anything about organized religion or anything about Jesus. So, but I always believed Athena. It's so weird looking back. And I hear a lot of people talk about this too, that many people, children, especially, I think, especially if you're going through hard things, you do pray. And, you know, I did believe that there was a God. I just didn't know about Jesus, you know, Um, I I knew about him, but I just, I just didn't believe in Jesus, you know, but I knew that there was a God. And, and so, you know, growing up, we were exposed to that concept, but definitely not to Christianity. Um, But I was so angry at this God after Willow was killed that, and I thought he was so angry with me because I was still filled with so much shame that I thought that he was so disgusted with me that he killed her to mm. punish me. Mm. And, you know, and that's such a lie. Of course, the enemy was always trying to tell us that God's not good. Right. And so, right. you know, so that was what I believed for many years. And um, anyway, so fast forward, I ended up getting married um, and building a life, having children, and then really yearning for my kids to know God, um, you know, yearning for our kids to have some sort of foundation of faith, even though, of course, it wasn't going to be for me. I always said, I don't need it, but I want my kids to have something to build their life on. And I think God does use our kids, <laughs> you know, to get our attention. And so we just started going to going to church here and there, very little um, but also I must say, Athena, that um, this man I married, who I'm still married to, Vince, um, he was a Christian. So here I was totally far from the Lord, totally not believing, but Vince was a Christian. Mm. And so as we're starting to build our family and going to church here and there, because um, my husband wasn't like actively pursuing the Lord, but he believed, but he wasn't, you know, he, he was a little bit lukewarm, I would say. Um, and so, um, but I was accomplishing a lot at work. I was, um, we had a beautiful home. We had all the, all the things that you would think would make you happy, but the more uh, status I achieved, the more promotions I got at work, the, the nicer home we had, all those things, I felt more and more uh, guilty and ashamed of who I was. And if people knew the real me, they could never love me. And so I felt like an imposter. I had that syndrome. Like if they only knew who I really am, no one could love me, you know? And so I'm struggling with all this that that should have been the pinnacle of our lives and what we've created, but I'm just dying inside and depressed and, and ashamed. And one morning I woke up to get ready for work and there was a gift on the table and it was from my husband. 
And uh, I opened it up and it was an amplified Bible with my name in Boston gold and the gold pages and my husband had written on the inside. I pray you find the light you're looking for in these pages. Mm. So even though he was not fervently walking with the Lord, the Holy Spirit definitely prompted him to, to intercede for, on my behalf. And I ended up reading that Bible. Um, I never really read the Bible. And I ended up reading that Bible, Athena, with such a... I was so desperate. I was so desperate to be known and loved and accepted. You know, I was so desperate. I just, I read that Bible and I, I'm telling you, I just fell in love with Jesus in the pages of that Bible. Mm. And I just began to understand that there is a God and it's Jesus. And he knows me, like he knows me and he still loves me, you know, and he's forgiven me and all the things I held myself responsible for because growing up, I took on a lot of things as a child that were not my responsibility to take on. I took on a lot of things that adults should have been responsible for that I mistakenly and wrongly took on as being my fault. And so, um, you knowing, so experiencing that freedom, like, like I'm forgiven, I'm loved, I'm chosen. I just wept through the pages of that Bible and to give my life to Christ, right? Just, mm. him and I, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, I, I, I it just amazing what he did. Um, there's so many stories, but finally kind of the biggest one the Romans eight twenty eight, is that, um, he ended up, uh, leading me to, you know, I do not believe in coincidences, a divine appointment with people that were connected to the man that gave the keys to the driver. And so this is 13 years after Willow was killed. I'm a brand new believer. I'm at this business meeting, meet these people that they're best friends with the, 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 the owner of that company and best friends. I mean, you know, of course, it's totally, not, you know, no coincidence there. And, um, and I end up saying, Oh, my gosh, I can't believe you know him. Do you have his number? And they said, Why do you want it? Like, you know, and I said, because I want to call him and forgive him. And do you know, Athena, that I had never, in all those 13 years of grieving my sister, I never once thought about the pain mm -hmm. that that employer had gone through. I never once thought about what he must have felt like being the one that gave the keys Right. To the that went and killed those kids and himself. I mean, the guilt that he must have gone through, the shame, the pain. I never once thought about it because shame, or I'm sorry, because pain makes us selfish. All mm. I thought about was my loss, my grief. If he hadn't been so stupid, Willow would still be here. All I thought about was my pain. And mm. just like when you stub your toe on something and all you can think about is how much it hurts and you don't think about anything else, same thing with emotional pain you know? And so, um, all of a sudden now I'm face to face with these people who are connected to him. And, and I'm like, I hear myself saying, I want to forgive him. And I'm like, wait, who said that? <laughs> you know, like I've never once thought about forgiving him, but I, I, I ended up making that call. I ended up making that call and, and, and calling him to forgive him. And it was not an easy call. He, it was not wrapped up in a little pretty bow. He was angry at me. Why are you calling me? And no one cared about what I went through. And, and he went through this, just this roller coaster of emotions. And by the grace of God, I just had the ability just to listen to him and let him process his pain with me on the phone. And finally, at the end of it, I just told him I forgive him. I said, you made a mistake and I've made so many mistakes and you mean to do it. And I, and I forgive you. And he asked me, he goes, what gave you the courage to call me? And I said, Jesus, I said, I'm a brand new believer and Jesus, um, I believe that Jesus, um, provided this opportunity so that we could both heal, you know, and, um, the phone call ended, you know, he, he, yeah, I don't know what the Lord's done in his life since then, but I'm telling you, Athena, when I hung up that phone, 
it was like a million pounds lifted off my shoulders. Here I, here I was a brand new believer, but I was still working through stuff. And I didn't even know that I was carrying this backpack of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness that was actually suffocating my life. That was a I was actually part of the reason why I felt so depressed all those years. And, um, and so, you know, just, I was in that moment, I finally, I could say to my sister, I can let you go. I don't have to hold on to that grief. Mm. Um, I, I, I can let, I, I, I was able to forgive my father. I was able to forgive, um, God because, you know, Hey, he let her die. <laughs> you know, those things that we sometimes have grievances against God. Um, and I think most importantly, I was able to forgive myself. And it has been ever since that time. Um, it was ever since that time that I like literally, Athena, from that moment on, I've been completely delivered from bulimia. Um, and I believe, I mean, like literally like it's like I never had it. Like I never had it. I've never had one incident, one, not one relapse. I've been completely free from bulimia now for 13 years after that encounter with forgiveness and wow. the love of Christ. So I'm completely healed. And so I believe in, in the power of Jesus to heal. And But it really does come through receiving his love and choosing to forgive. I, I, the power of forgiveness cannot be understated. Mm. And so that's my Romans 8. There's a lot more, but trying to give you the highlights there. <laughs> So, so as you uh, knew that you were supposed to utilize your story in a book that would be a Bible study that women could, I mean, you're using your example of what you've gone through and, and all of that within the Bible study. Are you telling any other people's stories or is it pretty much? It's just my story. Yeah. Okay. It's just my story. Yeah. Um, you know, just taking the women along the journey, my own journey. And the study is really based on the word of God, uh, of course, number one, and then my own personal testimony. Amen. So I'm just going to ask a couple of questions about um, just how you developed that message and that content and and the focus, um, how, and I, you just touched on it, but I, I, I would like for you to just say a little bit more about it. How does the condition of our heart impact our life? Such a great question. So I was do, getting preparing for, for a retreat that I was speaking for, and uh, they had a theme from Isaiah 55. And so I started studying Isaiah 55 um, to, you know, to, 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 to make my message. And, um, and the beginning of Isaiah 55 is so powerful. Isaiah basically is prophesying about Jesus. And he's basically saying, come to the table and eat. It's all free. Come to the table, have bread and milk and wine. It's all free. And then he asks that question. He says, why do you continue to go to that which will never satisfy you? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, Lord, help me give something to the women that they can hold on to. This is a $100,000 question. Why do we continue to go to that which will never satisfy when we have Jesus in him is full satisfaction? And the Holy Spirit led me through study and just the prompting in my heart that um, to Proverbs 4.23 that says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows everything of life. So every area of our life is impacted by the condition of our heart. And if you look at the biblical heart, it's much different than the physical heart. The biblical heart is referenced over a thousand times in scripture. And the biblical heart has five parts. It's your thoughts. So it consists of your thoughts, 
your feelings, your, your desires, your will, and your motives. So what you choose and why you choose it, that's what the biblical heart is. So when you actually look at every area of our life is impacted by the condition of our heart, it's how we think, what we do, what we feel, what we want and why we want it. So of course it impacts everything. That's why he says above all else to guard it and guarding. Mm -hmm. is a whole nother sermon. <laughs> that's a whole nother book. Right. And I do talk about that in, in the Bible study, but um, that's, that's where that came from. Mm, I love that. So how can we begin to heal emotionally and experience heart transformation? Because that's what we need. Yes. We amen. all need that at level. I mean, because we're always moving from glory to glory. That's and so right. it's a never ending process. But how can we begin that if, if, if someone's listening today and they're just saying, I don't have that freedom. How do I start? Well, uh, in the, in the Bible study, I do outline five steps, of course, but, um, and so this will not be the first step, but the middle step is choosing to forgive. Just like I alluded to in my story, I think many times in the church, we hear that, you know, forgiveness is so important and, oh yeah, I know I need to forgive, but do we really do the work of forgiveness? Because it's not about when you feel like it. Forgiveness is a choice and it's not a one-time event. It's something that we have to sometimes choose many, many times before we're actually free. And I've experienced, I know you have too, Athena, and I think it's biblically supported that when we choose to obey, and he does call us to forgive, but when we choose to obey, um, sometimes it's a choice we're making mentally. He will then help our hearts to catch up to it. He will help our hearts to catch up, but we have to choose it. And then the Holy Spirit begins to do his work. So I think that is primarily, and that's a big part of the work in my Bible study is helping women to walk through forgiveness. And it's so, so, so important. It can just holding on to unforgiveness can, we can be sick. We can yes. be addicted. We can, all those things spring from that unforgiveness, because if we're not forgiving, then we are going to bed angry every night. And if we're going to bed angry every night, even if we don't know it, we are giving a stronghold to the enemy. Bingo. A foothold. Yes. So of course he's going to have his way with us. That's right. Wow. That's right. I mean, I've literally seen, I've, you know, been speaking for many years. I've done one, one retreat in particular, I remember um, where this woman was literally oppressed by like demonic oppression um, because of unforgiveness. And we were able, my friends and I that were supporting me there, my prayer warriors, we were able to minister her in a way that she literally, she became free right before our eyes. And you literally could see her go from that twisted demonic darkness of just being consumed to like literally springing up and joy and freedom. And this, this look on her face, I will simply never forget because of the, she actually verbalized some atrocious things that happened to her that mm. she was able to, for, to choose to forgive and the freedom that came from that. So, you know, it doesn't always happen in that dramatic way for everyone, right? Everyone has right. their own journey, but I guarantee that forgiveness is a huge part of healing. Mm. Amen. So, okay. We are out of time, but this has just been so impactful. And I just know that there's some women listening today that need to get their Bible study at their church on your Bible study, Rise and Rejoice. So I want to encourage those of you listening to reach out to Heather. Uh, what's the best place for them to find you on social media, your website? What's, what's the best place? 
Yes, our website is riseandrejoiceministries.com. And so that's a great way people can subscribe and contact us and all that. Um, But also I am on Instagram, heather.murdoch. I'm also on TikTok, (laughs) at heathermurdoch1, the the number one. I'm also on uh, Facebook, on Heather Murdoch, speaker, author. And I've just started that page away from my personal page. So multiple ways. Perfect. Well, we'll have all of those down in the show notes. So Heather, thank you so much for spending time with us today and just giving us that sneak peek into what an amazing God he is, the, just the way he's worked in your life against all odds. I mean, really, you can't make that stuff up. And <laughs> I just love how he has taken such hard things, but brought such good and such healing out of them. So thank you, thank you so much for your time. God bless your ministry. And just thanks for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Athena. I've loved being with you today. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us today for the All Things Podcast, brought to you by Romans 828 Bookstore and Redemption Press. If today's episode encouraged you, we would love to have you share it with your friends on social media and maybe even leave a review on Apple. That will help the algorithms get us up higher to the top when people are searching for podcasts that can bring them hope and encouragement. So thanks again for joining us today, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now.